Welcome one and all, I'm Chris Stone, the Virtual Agile Coach, and this is the Virtually Agile Podcast, the pod that shares conversations with Agile thought leaders, as well as amplifying newer voices. You'll hear about agility, virtual working, and everything in between. If you find value in listening, don't forget to follow or subscribe on your platform of choice. It is the very best way to hear about the latest episodes as they land. Enjoy the show. Fellow Agilists, welcome to the latest installments of the Virtually Agile Videocast. This series will share conversations with Agile thought leaders, as well as amplifying newer voices. Today's guests actually reached out to me to be involved in the show uh, as part of my call to arms for one of those or some of those newer voices. I have the pleasure of introducing you to Kim Greenwood, a fellow Enterprise Agile coach. How are you today, Kim? Very well, thanks. And you? Not too shabby. It's uh, almost the end of the week, so almost there. Getting over that line, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to a bit of a, a chilled one. Um, the weather miserable in the UK, so not, not much exciting happening. I would be out hiking or doing something adventurous, but I'm not sure. Depends what's on the cars. We shall see. Call it as you feel it. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about you then. So what is Kim all about? For those of you that don't, for those of us who don't know who you are, what are you all about? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, What am I all about? So I guess that means kind of my backstory, but instead of telling you where I've been, I prefer to tell you where I'm going. That's a great Um, answer. Please do that. Tell us where you're going. One of my biggest passions, my my purpose underlying everything that I do is making work lives better for people at all levels in organisations, not just leadership or the bottom up or wherever I enter an organisation. It's actually about sensing what's there at the moment and what would be the next most important thing to shift to improve life for everybody. Uh, So, yeah. I guess that's where that's where I'm called to purpose and what I love to help organizations strive for. Sounds like a wonderful purpose. Uh, interestingly, I, I heard of someone describing themselves as a full stack agile coach not long ago. I was like, well, what, what do you mean by that? What's a full stack coach? And they said, well, I'm, I'm not a technical coach. I'm kind of a generalist. But, you know, you could have a technical coach. You could have a, a people focused coach. And I, I tend to align myself towards a similar purpose of you as you. I want to try and do everything I can to make sure that people can be their best selves in the workplace, whether that's ways of working, whether that's culturally, whether that's helping them with agile. And so it sounds like you and I have a similar purpose there, a similar thing that we're aiming at. It's Love a the sound thing. of full stack. That's great. It sounds sure cool, like doesn't it? Yeah. It does sound cool. Coach. I still, I still really like the um the sort of the competency X wing yeah, yeah, yeah. diagram. I still really love dancing around that, but the full stack sounds really cool to me. It, it it's got a great great title. It's probably not the best title I've ever heard of. I think Digital Overlord takes that one from LinkedIn. Digital Overlord, <laughs> some describe themselves at. I thought it sounded like um some sort of Yu Gi Oh or Pokemon card or something, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the X-Wing, as you called it as well, to give us the Star Wars terminology, the, the agile coaching competency matrix that, that Lisa Adkins immortalized. And uh, Jonathan Fess, uh, Kessel fell, I believe, updated with, with agile mindset a few years back. A uh, big fan of that. What I, what I love about that is, and, and I'm a firm believer, that you, you, aren't, you aren't ever static on it. It's a continuum, right? You might invest more time and energy in improving an area of weakness of yours. I, I have personally, having 
placed myself physically in fact drawing the the model on the ground and just kind of walked around and thought right where, where do I sit on this and I thought well I'm, I'm a little bit low on the mentoring side so I said what can I do okay I'll take on six mentor mentees and work with them and improve that sort of things and but equally by investing in one area you might become weaker in another uh, and, and, and actually I would argue you probably can't ever be perfect in all of them there's too much body of knowledge there's too much to do in all of them uh, and you could end up specializing in one area alone and just being really damn good at facilitation for example what are your thoughts there yeah exactly that exactly that and i love the gestalt part like the actual moving your body and feeling what it's like in each of the quadrants like 80 percent of the emotional knowledge or wisdom from our body actually is what's fed back to our brain when we're sensing and feeling things so by moving your body you're actually kinesthetically sensing it and that's brilliant uh, mm. but I completely agree you only have a certain amount of time and energy and actually to explore and extend in one of those areas you probably have to dial back in another or mm. let go of another or just pause temporarily um, and that's yeah that's a great way to think about it I love the metaphor yeah I was first exposed to that as part of some work with um, fellow fellow coaches. It was a bit of an internal community practice and someone drew the, the model uh, using tape on the floor back when we were allowed to be face-to-face very easily. And as you said, it's that very kinetic, I'm walking around this model, it helps you visualize it. Now you can replicate that same experience obviously using any sort of virtual whiteboard, give everyone an avatar and let them virtually walk around that board and place themselves. Uh, and actually it's a technique I've used as well with, with mentees of mine. I've said, right, where do you sit currently? It will help you identify perhaps areas for improvement. And then we can then focus uh, your trajectory, your journey, your next learning steps based on an, an area you want to amplify or improve upon. So I think that's quite a, a useful technique. I, I did produce a, a Miro template about that uh, that's, that's available. I am keen to discuss uh, that leadership mindset with you. I know this was a topic that you were, that was top, was top of your agenda, pretty topical for you. And, and I remember also reading about evolutionary leadership when when doing a bit of research about you so what do you feel evolutionary leadership means what does it mean to you and why do you feel it's important I think the biggest thing that jumps out for me is the state of agile reports the top three reasons why seven out of ten agile transformations fail tends to report on leadership structure or culture some sort of organizational differences and the people with the power to shift those things are typically leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if we look back to um, Peter Hawkins, actually his systemic coaching book uh, refers to a survey where leaders acknowledge that uh, the pace of change is accelerating and it's difficult to keep up. And so there's this awareness of it out there, but I think there's a big gap between awareness and change. And there's been many different approaches on how to Uh, help leaders evolve in this space. Leadership Circle is a survey that I did when I was 23 and then forgot about because I went back to software development for such a long time. Uh, But now my favourite tool to use is actually uh, the Leadership Agility 360 survey. So this is where uh, you receive feedback 360 degrees from all of the different people you work with because your actions and your behaviours tend to be the best indication of the mindset that you work with. And obviously everyone behaves differently in different contexts and people show up differently in different contexts. But this is the action logic that leaders are taking. Um, And so that's the best indication of whether they can catalyze and sustain change or whether they're requiring some sort of vertical development in that space. 
I love that. I'm, I'm a big believer in I guess, radical vulnerability and radical feedback seeking. So if we, if we think that every time, you know, agile teams, they have lots of feedback loops, lots of opportunities, lots of data points to reflect, adjust how they're approaching things accordingly. But we think about traditional performance management or even how, how leaderships measure their own success. How often are leaders measured on the results they create after they've left a company? Um, and actually, how often do leaders radically reach out and say, hey, guys, how am I doing? Where could I be better? And I think that there's a, there's a huge power in that. There's something I'm increasingly exploring myself. I'm very tempted within my currently com- current company just to throw out, a, throw out a, a, a two to five minute survey and say, hey, guys, where could I be better? Let me know. Just tell me and I'll, I'll do what I, what I can about Absolutely. that. That's brilliant. And I 100 percent encourage you to do it, because actually the thing that surprises you, what comes back is a lot of appreciation and gratitude as well. Mm. So it's not just the growth areas, but it's also the appreciation. And particularly when we're working virtually, there's so much oxytocin and feel good that comes from uh, being brave enough to reach out and seek that feedback. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a quality of an agile leader is to proactively seek feedback. So I also love, <laughs> thank you. I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, I'm also a fan again, of the word, the word evolution to me, it's, it's so, so more evocative and so more, matching of the kind of mindset I believe in when it comes to agile it suggests change you know things evolving adjusting and I think this is where you know you you see a lot of agile transformations the problem with the word transformation is it in its by its very definition it's kind of a you're at one point and you finish it's almost like a project a project is a unique endeavor with a fixed point in mind a transformation is a bit like you've got a, a butterfly emerging from a cocoon metamorphosing into mm-hmm. something finished and you've got all these transformations and the problem with, with agile transformation or any transformation effort is really you need to be continually learning it's not a fixed endpoint. so I, I tend to avoid calling myself or, or calling any endeavor I do in that vein anymore a transformation I, I call it an evolution what are, what are we doing to continually evolve our ways of working to continually adjust what we're doing because it's not just this this finite one and done transformation effort I think by calling it a transformation it makes it seem a bit like a big program project that's a bit waterfall-esque yeah exactly it's one of my favorite coaching questions when I join organizations it's the moment always presents itself but it's when does your transformation end people tend to sit back and go oh and have that light bulb moment and so it's a really lovely way to open the door into exactly that um, transformation programs even though that's what they tend to be labeled they're themselves they're complex adaptive so they have to be iterative and evolutionary because again the market shifts so quickly and it's about keeping up uh, so that we don't miss out on those innovation opportunities and mm. uh, the direction of the customer needs because at the end of the day uh, there's a massive shift to becoming much more customer obsessed in the organizations that I've, I've kept in contact with. So sure. Yeah, I like sure. Customer obsession. It's so strong a term, isn't it? What always amuses me is if you look at the values that most companies have, always, there's always something in about we are customer centric and we are customer obsessed and we are looking to delight the customer and things like that. And then when you probe a little bit deeper and you say, okay, so how are you tracking how customer obsessed you are? Oh, well, we, we, we track our velocity and our, our, our lead times and those sorts of things. Like, well, that's nothing to do with the customer. 
how, how are you genuinely measuring how frequently you engage with your customers? And I, I, one of my favorite metrics I subscribe to is called days since last user engagement. How often are you actually engaging with your users and finding out, are you on the right track? Are you on the right trajectory? So it always amuses me when you see that, yeah, we are customer obsessed. It's like, demonstrate it. Tell me how. Tell me how are you customer obsessed? Yeah, what type of obsessed? Exactly that. And even if the, the edges of the organization may be in contact with customers more frequently, but how do they share and propagate, radiate that information across the organization? Um, so, yeah, one of the clients I was working with most recently were doing this amazing job of doing all of this emergent learning from customer research, both qualitative and quantitative based. Uh, and they were just so excited to get the information out and share it. So, uh, yeah, it was really, really powerful to see that. Yeah, yeah great. Reflecting just for a moment back on the, uh, the evolutionary mindset as a, as a leader, how do you continually evolve your own mindset? How do you continue your own learning? Because just as we coach teams to adopt that sort of mindset, we equally need to turn that mirror on ourselves and continuously adjust our own mindset, our own learnings. And how do you, how do you enable that yourself? That's a great question. Uh, and for me, I, like I know there's a lot of different beliefs and perspectives on how humans learn. Some people will think it's an expense. Some people see it as stage-based level learning. Like uh, there's a lot of psychology behind that and a lot of research in that area. Um, up until a few weeks ago, I actually thought of it almost like across, across. There's horizontal skills acquisition and then vertical mindset development. That's how I was thinking about it until about two weeks ago when we discussed it in the Enterprise Coach cohort that I'm currently on. And uh, we stumbled across the Ken Wilber lattice where he's got actual dots that tend to fade out at the edges. And so you can see how across seven different lines of adult development, these areas could expand and blend into the others and create a spectrum of human growth. So constantly learning, constantly evolving, but the thing that's keeping me going is that I'm just really hungry for the knowledge and really curious. And so I just um, really fall back on that curiosity value, whether it's from books, internet, talks like this, uh, or formal um, study courses, I'd really encourage everyone to keep going. Because um, again, the market's shifting so quickly, it's going to be difficult to keep up in a knowledge uh, economy. Absolutely. I, I definitely subscribe to the the quotes, true knowledge is knowing that you know nothing. There's this, there's this pathway I think people go through where they they might finish a piece of study and think, oh yeah, I know lots and lots and lots. And then you you dig a little bit deeper and oh my God, there's so much more content out there that I don't know. So I, I very much subscribe to that. I'm a huge believer in continuous learning. Like you, very, very curious. Uh, yeah, if there's a word I don't understand, I've got to look it up right away. I've got to understand it. I consider myself a philomath, someone who loves learning new things, whether that's words, languages, whether that's the, the latest body of knowledge in a certain area. Huge believer in continuous improvements in one's own life. It's to the point that I consider myself a continuous work in progress. We're not immutable creatures. We, we learn, we adjust, we adapt accordingly. I joked with uh, some friends of mine a while ago that I was going to call a child of mine Kanban because that way they'd be like a continuous work in progress. You know, there are, <laughs> and, but then they had said, that's too cruel. You can't do that. So fine. I just wanted to emphasize that they were just learning continuously. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Actually, that's one of the, um, the, 
the course has been a blessing, but it's also been a curse in that my book list has just exploded. Oh, yeah. okay. The virtual reading list is insane. And I think in the past, so I signed up, it was last September, I think, that I started. So it's about a nine-month cohort program where you show what you do as an Agile coach, not just follow the content. Um, but in the last nine months, I've read 16 books now. And it's just been a whole wad of knowledge that I'm actually starting to think, am I retaining this? Do I need to go back and revise some of it? So I'm curious. I'm going to ask you a question. Go for it. How do you find, how do you find your knowledge retention if you're so curious and constantly learning? I think a bit like you. I, I will have to revisit things. Um, I, I, re- I reread the uh, Agile Coaching book by Lisa Adkins recently. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, what's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the Simpsons quote? It's like every time I learn something new, it pushes something else out of my mind. Yeah, your brain's just so full of things. Uh, it does feel a little bit like that sometimes. And I, I do sometimes have to, have to revisit content, refresh myself, um, just, just like anything. So I, I do absorb a lot of things, but I'm not, uh, I don't have perfect recall. So sometimes I do have to refresh my, my memory. Yeah, brilliant. And that Lisa Atkins book is amazing, isn't it? I reread that a couple of months ago as well. It's timeless. So, yeah. It is a timeless classic. Now, um, speaking of books, what's on your, you mentioned there's loads that you've just read, but what's uh, what's on your next on your reading list? Oh, gosh. So um, the one that I finished most recently was Conversational Intelligence. And I've actually had a little break since then. I've had a couple of weeks off reading, which has been delightful. Um, but I think the, the rabbit hole that I want to go down next is around Anne Betts and the psychology, the neuropsychology that she brings to coaching and about coaches rising once they sort of dive into that area of knowledge. Interesting. Really not, curious about that. not an area that I've explored myself, but it sounds, sounds good. Might be something I'll have to add to my ever-growing backlog of things to read. Uh, currently on my list I've got um, I'm refreshing myself on retrospectives because I'm speaking to Diana Larson soon uh, then I've got Agile 2 to read the, the the new iteration of Agile the movement Cliff Berg and, and co have released so I've got that because I'm speaking with him and uh, I started Better Value Sooner Safer Happier I'm quite, I'm quite partial to some of the, the language used in, in particular that it's almost like the antithesis for me of twice the work and half the time which I think is a damaging bit of terminology that unfortunately has set a lot of expectations with some leaders anyway um purpose and engagement I as a, as a vir- primarily virtual facilitator I'm all about how to engage people keep them involved interactive immersed in a virtual experience I do a lot of my, my themed retrospectives for that purpose. I like to make time for fun in the workplace. Why do you feel uh, having a clear sense of purpose and engaging people in the work you do is important? Great question. I have forgotten the actual calculation of it, but we spend a very large proportion of our lives in uh, virtual workplaces or, or physical workplaces. And so actually, what are we doing with that time if the time's our most precious resource. Um, So yeah, so if we're going to come together and and work on challenging issues and iterative products, um, the thing for me is actually making the most of that time and feeling though it was worth your while. Um, 
And so that's why I'm, I've also been really curious about the shift in employee engagement during um, the COVID pandemic. And actually Gallup has done some really phenomenal emerging research on that, where they spotted that in the States, uh, employee engagement doubled because people felt more uh, freedom and autonomy about choosing their own flexible working engagements and arrangements. And so it was phenomenal to see the actual empirical numbers come out on that. Um, but also what they found was that wellness wasn't directly correlated with engagement. And I think the number of uh, total number of employee burnouts went up to around 61%. So there's a lot of info in and amongst that. They did dig in to find out why, uh, but again, it came back to the direct relationship with leadership. So again, lots of stuff in the press at the moment about uh, Wall Street forcing people back into the office or companies that may have a profit motive, perhaps suggesting in the media that it's the engaged employees that show up and come back to the office. I, I read that case. exact one was from the, from the legal mm -hmm. rework, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And so again, strong opinions. Strong opinions <laughs> and absolutely entitled to those opinions. However, it's definitely not data-based and to sustain high employee engagement, organizations actually need to be flexible and ask their staff. So um, yeah, it's good this to see is, the numbers come out. This is my ethos too, is that for me, I believe that the concept of work from home will be replaced with work from anywhere. And work from anywhere means wherever you are most productive based on your own personal preference, okay? So you as an individual, you might find that on a day-to-day -day basis, you work great just by waking up, being at home, being around your family, not having the stress of a commute, being able to focus on work, and that's, that's what suits you. You might actually be somebody who's very uh, extroverted and love the energy of being in an office, and that's what helps you be your best self, and that's okay as well. And, and you might be somewhere in the middle ground, you like a bit of both. Now, the companies that offer that real flexibility, that hybrid model, and that choice, choice being the operative word, I think are gonna be the ones that retain the top talent, that create the happier workplaces, the ones that try and force a decision either way to any of those extremes without engaging their people to understand what they're looking for and how how they can make it work i think will struggle i was actually very interested in the concept of of early on in the pandemic doing in the way that a lot of teams do those team charters to align around a vision and you know what are our strengths and weaknesses and what are our ways of working why didn't companies just go out there and say, right, let's create a remote working charter. Let's, let's define what good remote working looks like and what bad remote working looks like. How can, we, how can we help each other be successful from a communications perspective, successful from a communications perspective in this uh, situation that's been forced upon us? I don't think enough companies have done that sort of activity. Exactly that. And every different person has a different response to communicating over Zoom. So 60% of our communication is body language. But a lot of people, particularly those who had travel sickness as a kid, tend to find that the additional, uh, oh, what's it called, the stimulus mm -hmm. from the different senses becomes a little bit overwhelming and sometimes that leads to Zoom fatigue. So, um, yeah, it's exactly that. Every human's different and they'll have different preferences and they'll perform at their highest under different circumstances. And so, actually, if we want competitive advantage and growth post-pandemic, then it will directly translate to the bottom line if people are put in a situation where they can thrive. Absolutely. Now, still on that topic then, what, what would be, from your experience working across the last 
year, 14 months, whatever time frame it is now of remote working and perhaps earlier than that, if you have had experience in that also, what's your top tip for enabling success in a virtual environment and perhaps your, your top tip for enabling engagements with people during a, in a virtual environment? Great question. And my last engagement was entirely virtual. Although I would have loved to, I've never met any of the, those wonderful people face to face. One day, but so far not. Um, the thing that I found was the biggest help was actually connecting as humans before any work conversations. So I do a lot of get to know you's, definitely one to ones. And even if they were just 10 or 15 minutes, but I would connect with the person and, and learn that it's Chris, who actually likes to play golf and games what? in the background. Or, do I like to play golf? Something. What are you, what are you saying? No, no, no. I was, I was making it up. <laughs> I couldn't quite tell what it's in the background. It was guitar or golf or something, but I, you know, it's about learning Quite more axe. about the whole people. <laughs> it's Chris who likes axe throwing. Exactly. Right? I, I like axe throwing. And, and actually, this is my top tip for enabling virtual agility. This is my agile axe, and I will swing it when people aren't agile enough, I jest, of course. Um, I do enjoy axe throwing. And, and to, your, to, your, to your point there about uh, making time for personal interaction, we've lost those, those water cooler conversations. We've lost the ability to have a chat about something on the way to a meeting room or over a coffee. And we need to make time for those personal interactions and build them into our working days. And in the same way you do, you, you, you subscribe or put aside that 15 minutes for that. An approach I tend to use is before I start any meeting I'm facilitating, the first five minutes is just unfiltered, non-work chat, usually some sort of random icebreaker question like, hey, uh, what animal legs, if you could have any animal legs in the animal kingdom, would you have and why? Just, just something random that gets people talking about nonsense things. What's your answer to that question, by the way? Probably a horse, like a pretty pony. I'd have horse legs. They're strong, but they're also, you know, quite long. They can go, run fast and go far and they have a lot of stamina. Nice. Good answer. I'd what go for a gorilla or something. Very strong and powerful. Um, conscious of time. We need to close out the, the episode today. Uh, and of course, you knew this was coming because we discussed this. Uh, it's the, the most regular question I, I, I ask my guests on the show. What new retrospective theme would you add to my backlog? I just have to, before I do that, I have to say that I'm so grateful for the amount of retro templates that you've put out there. It's definitely <laughs> triggered the creativity in the organizations I've worked with. So thank you for leading the charge on that. Um, I'm not sure if you can tell, but I'm actually from Australia. And so, uh, no, accent's nice and blended and tamed down. Um, I would go with something to do with Australian animals. There's a lot of scary ones that can sort of, you know, if you don't know what you're encountering and you go a little bit too brave. Like what's, uh, what, what's going to be the drop bear on the next iteration? Yes, the drop bears, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. What are we not doing? We're going to fall out of the tree and squash our tent. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly that. Drop bear. Like it. Drop bears are quite cheeky though as well. So you have to kind of bring that element in. Right. Uh, and then you could also have, who needs a koala cuddle? So where's yeah. the kudos or the, the, you know, the positive feelings on the other side? I, I can work with that. My mind's ticking over a little bit already, so I will do it. Just out of interest, what is your, your favourite retrospective theme that you've ever been involved with? I think Elvis. Elvis. The best yeah, quote Elvis. ever. The best quote ever. And I, I, I use this so often when it comes to working with teams. A little less conversation, a little more action, guys. Exactly that one. Yeah, that was the first thing that jumped to mind. So, yeah. <laughs> 
excellent well kim it's been a pleasure to have you on the virtual agile video cast today thank you for taking the time to share your knowledge your experiences your your wisdom your your learnings and uh have a wonderful day any any so final thoughts you want to add no just it's been lovely to meet you and thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure all the best you've just listened to another episode of the virtually agile podcast don't forget to check out www.thevirtualagilecoach.co.uk for one of the largest collections of free templates on the web on all things agile. If this show provided value, I'd love your support by following or subscribing on your platform of choice. See you folks next time.